I trust you've been enjoying the prelude music since Jesus came into my heart. I'm so happy. Sticking with that word happy. And Beverly and I did not uh, get together on the prelude music or the opening hymn this evening. But I chose a song entitled, Oh Happy Day. It speaks about that day that fixed my choice upon my Savior and my God. Well may, well may this glowing heart rejoice and tell its raptures all abroad. Happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. So you may not have had a happy day today. But you had a happy day the day you received the Lord, right? And from that point, he ought to taught us how to rejoice in every day. I know you may not know all the words to the song. They'll be on the screen. But the message of the hymn is wonderful for a Wednesday night. And from the look of you, you've had a rough day today. So let's put a smile on that face. Oh, happy day. Stand if you would. And remember the day you gave your heart to Jesus. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus 
Amen. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, what a happy day it is. Father, what a happy day it is when someone receives the Lord. They acknowledge you as their Savior. They get to spend eternal life with you, Father. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here tonight. I thank you for the guests we have tonight. Father, I thank you for the ones that are still traveling. Please protect them as they come here tonight. Father, as we go about our days, the world is confused. It's looking for an answer. And the answer is your son, Jesus, Father. You sent him down to die on the cross for our sins that we can have eternal life with you. Father, I just pray that if there's someone here tonight or online, that they would ask us how to be saved so they can spend eternal life with you in heaven. That their name shall be written in the book of Lamb's. Father, be with Pastor and I as he goes to the second message about his home life. I can't wait. I'm excited. We all are. Father, be with us now as we turn around and greet each other with a wave. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn around and say happy day to your neighbor. Just a minute. So, happy day, right? The day that Jesus washed my sins away. It was wonderful today when I received this email from Lee, seated down front here. A relatively new believer, and her husband's been saved, and on fire for the Lord, and God's been doing great things. And so I opened up my email today to receive this. Dear Pastor, I've just had what I consider a bizarre experience. It's never good to open an email when it starts like that. I've been speaking to my boss about Jesus for quite some time. She is Jewish, and I'm always careful with my words and never push her. So today we were speaking about the Spirit and how our bodies were meant to live eternal until sin entered into the world. She started to tell me about how Jesus to her represents love. I said, yes, Jesus is love, and through Him... We reach God and eternal life in heaven. All of a sudden, she said, okay, let's pray. She prayed for Jesus to come to her heart and cleanse her and to heal us both. She led the prayer, and we both ended the prayer with, in Jesus' name, amen. She says she loves Jesus and wants to join a a church. Now, I'm not sure... But I think she led herself to be saved. <laughs> what do you think? So I, I emailed back. Praise the Lord. If she prayed and asked Jesus in her heart, then absolutely he is in her heart. How marvelous is this to lead your boss to Jesus Christ. We got to say amen to that. Happy day. Right? So the second song is without him. And it's just two little verses, a little bit of a different tempo, but a powerful message. Without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I would surely fail. I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Oh, Jesus, do you know him today? Do not turn him away, for without him, how lost I would be. What a reminder as we think about those around us that need the Lord. Lift your voice now. Two verses without him. 
of us that know the Lord, we know without him how lost we would be. Many are making their way in and finding their seed and so on. Let me say just a couple of announcements. We've had some other people that have led their neighbors to the Lord. We had one of our church ladies burst through the office door yesterday and just said how she had to give a testimony and she'd been praying for her neighbor for some time. And uh, I'm not sure if it was at, at lunch or over food or something, but she had the wonderful privilege right there at the table to bow and to pray and watch her neighbor receive the Lord. And so thank God for that, that he's still in the soul-saving business. I trust that as you're witnessing that moments like this would encourage you. Pastor, I've been witnessing to so-and-so and I don't think they're ever going to get saved. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't stop praying. Don't stop loving. Don't stop being there. You never know when that moment will come when their heart will be tendered and they will receive the Lord. And so much to just rejoice over tonight and much to pray about as well. Uh, If you have an ink pen, why don't you write some things down, if you would please, especially on your prayer sheet. I miss not having a prayer sheet or miss, uh, yeah, not having a prayer sheet as far as for us to write names down. But we have some folks that need our prayers. Um, did I see Nelson and, 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 and uh, Susan? Uh, Jen, she's doing well tonight, right now? Okay, wonderful. Um, Jen Fernandez, her husband Juan, she had to go in today and have her gallbladder removed. It was not planned, and uh, she went in yesterday. Um, and so she just came out of surgery this afternoon, and so we're rejoicing and thanking God for his um, watchful hand over her, continue to pray for her, uh, even going prior to the surgery, she had a couple of complications there um, that would have, would have given us opportunity to be afraid, 
but God saw us through that, and um, pray for them if you would, please. Uh, Joni Knight, and I'm not sure if Joni's in the service or in the lobby, but her mother, Cindy, her father's Bob, Cindy is had a, a heart procedure done today. She's had some difficulty with her heart, um, and they need prayer. I was able to speak with Bob. Beverly was able to text Cindy and let her know that we would be praying for them. I believe that God has brought her through that. And uh, Cindy had a just a, a little bit of a difficult problem. And I love it when the Bible fits my problem. Don't you love that? When you get a verse you can hang on to. They can't put her to sleep. They can't give her enough medicine. They struggle. Like, like they'll put her to sleep and then she wakes up. Or they can't get her. So she's had to go through procedures without full anesthesia that 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 makes me need a shot just thinking about that right so we needed some peace and I remembered that bible verse and God caused a deep sleep right you know there was no anesthesia in the garden God just put Adam to sleep that's how they knew to put you to sleep because God God did the first surgery he put Adam to sleep took out his brain and made a woman that's what the bible said that's not true um so, when you're in a difficult moment and you have a verse to hang on to, so I told him, listen, God caused a deep sleep upon Adam. Let's pray God caused a deep sleep upon her. And just a blessing. I, I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of having to have a word when you need a word, but it meets the need precious. Um, Barbara and Francine want us to pray for a man named Barry. Barry went in today into an unexpected heart procedure. I believe he's doing... Uh, he's come through that, but we need to pray for Barry Huffine, H-U-F-F-I-N-E, and uh, they would appreciate that. I believe he is a believer, is what they've said. Uh, Arlene Whelan, she's probably watching tonight. We'll continue to pray for Arlene. You know, she's been diagnosed with cancer, and so we're asking God to minister to her. Uh, Tiffany Hernan had a major surgery on Monday. She came through that surgery. Uh, I spoke with her via text yesterday and I do believe that she is um, making her way through that and so continue to pray for Tiffany she was supposed to be in ICU for four days five days after the surgery pray for Mike and the girls as they are there at the house Louise Williams you may not know Louise she's kind of quiet and just comes in and out in our church but she's battling cancer today we need to pray for Louise uh, Judy Dolagai has, has a surgery scheduled for October 7th, and uh, she needs our prayers. Here's how, here's how the prayer sheet reads when they wrote it to me. She's going to have surgery, but the surgery will damage her quality of life. And then the prayer sheet says, period, next sentence, she is discouraged. And I guess you would be discouraged, too, if you were going to go through a surgery that was going to damage your quality of life. Uh, then another sentence. Pray for complete healing. Judy Dulligate loves God with all her heart, mind, and soul. She may be the toughest lady I've ever met in my life. Um, pray for her. And just because the doctor says that this will damage her quality of life doesn't mean that the great physician can't have something to say about that. And so protect her mind and her heart and pray for our dear sister, Judy. Uh, I see Brother Bill Neely Jr. here this evening. They're asking prayer um, for his brother-in-law, 
uh, Dan Fernandez. He's been diagnosed with a vertebrae damage in his neck that will require surgery. And so Brother Bill would appreciate prayers for his brother-in-law. Uh, Brother Bill Sr. is asking us to pray for the Corrales family. Uh, Pastor Carlos Corrales, who pastored with Bill Sr., went home to be with the Lord. And so the Corrales family has had loss. Heaven has had gain. Pray, if you would, please, for the comfort of the Corrales family this evening. Brittany Nelson uh, reached out. She's probably watching online, and she is not feeling well this evening. And she would appreciate our prayers as well. You know Brittany. She often would pray for help with her with uh, mental uh, stress and difficulty. And so please pray as well. She said, Pastor, I'm not feeling well. I was going to baptize her on Sunday. She got saved about a year ago. And she's unfortunately, she's not going to be able to do that. She said, but I'm not going to let the devil beat me in my mind. So she's battling tonight. And I pray that she would appreciate our lifting her up as well. Geneva Pamphili. And Geneva's not been able to be in our services for a while. Of course, with COVID and everything. She has an unspoken tonight. And she's on top. She has another request for wisdom and for guidance. And we know the Bible said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God and God will give. If you know Geneva, you might want to reach out and let her know that you're praying for her. Um, Sybil Green reached out right before service. Uh, She is going to have a medical procedure tomorrow. And so she's praying for peace. And she's praying that the procedure will go well. And that if there is something there, that they'll be able to find it. And if there's not, then um, at least she'll know truth as to where she is. So pray for Sybil if you would. Um, I have two single mothers in our church. And both of them find themselves in court battling ex-husbands. And both of these ex-husbands or soon-to-be ex-husbands are aggressive. And they are... Um, selfish, and they are making life difficult. And so I, I need for the church to pray that the judge of all the earth will do right in these court battles, okay? Um, from what I know, righteousness would be on the side of these ladies that love the Lord, and I hear what they're saying, and they're being mistreated, and yet they've got to stand in front of a judge, and a judge has got to make an ultimate decision, And so the great advocate of our lives is the Lord Jesus. I love that Bible verse that shall not the judge of all the earth do right. And so we need to pray for favor for these two situations. I withhold the names for a course. And then, of course, we want to pray for our anniversary Sunday that's coming up. I'm so excited about anniversary Sunday. Man, we've got people to be baptized. We've got new members to present. We've got things to celebrate. We're going to the table of the Lord. Um, If you're watching online... We do have our our room on Sunday, both at 8.30 and 10.30. That is a completely socially distant room. Uh, Everyone in that room will have a mask on the whole time. I've I've, I've created an an entry for you on the east side of the building here by the new restrooms where you can come in and go in that way. We'll do our best to protect that. Uh, Brother Hank Hansen, his wife, one of our deacons, will be in that room. They will minister the elements, and they will be there for ministry. And so I would encourage you, call the office, let us know um, that you're coming so we can be prepared. But we've got, I don't know, we've got a good handful of folks 
that are going to be using that room. And so I want you to come for Anniversary Sunday and come to the table of the Lord together. And it should be just a special and wonderful time. Uh, By way of announcement, before we pray and have our lesson, you see they're pouring more concrete and more concrete, right? We would be a pour ahead, but it rained us out on Monday. Lord willing, we're going to get a pour in tomorrow. And then I think that cold front that went past us, it went past us so fast we didn't even see it, right? Uh, For those of you watching online outside of the state of Florida, to my Ohio people, my Pennsylvania people, we had we had a day of fall today. It, 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 I'm not kidding. It was 83. It felt like 87, but there wasn't a lot of humidity in the air. Matter of fact, after church night, I'm going to watch the heat game outside and enjoy the fall, right? Uh, and so that was our fall. And I now we're going to blow back into the, the heat or whatever. But... Um, Actually, it even felt like fall because I went to go into my front door tonight and Beverly buys a fake fall wreath because that's what you do in South Florida. And the leaves were falling off of that fake salt fall wreath. So I thought, wow, it feels just like fall. And uh, don't send me any pictures of you and your orchards and in your fall and the colors. We'll scratch you right off the prayer list is what we'll do about that. So, uh, uh, why did I say all of that? Oh, because that weather system is going to move back over us probably Friday, Saturday. So just continue to pray that God will continue to provide and he is the great provider. All right, let's have prayer and then we're going to be in our lesson tonight. Heavenly Father, God, what a joy, what a privilege it is to be in this room tonight, to be with our church family online and just to gather as the body of believers in our local church Plantation Baptist Church. And um, Wednesday night is just unique. It's precious. It's powerful. It's personal. Um, It's all of these things. And you meet with us in just a tender way on Wednesday nights. Through prayer and, and, and praise, we just get to lift your name and lift our petitions and see you do wonderful miracles as we trust you and and prayed in faith believing. Lord, we've heard testimony of those that have been able to win their boss and their neighbors to the Lord. And man, what a privilege. Anybody who's a born-again Christian wants everybody they know to receive Jesus. And it's just delightful when they do. And so I pray, God, that you would continue to make soul winners out of us. And that we would take advantage of those opportunities as you present to them. Lord, I praise you for the good hand of blessing that's been upon our life for answered prayer as we celebrate that, for protection, those that have gone through surgery today, and Lord, just trials and difficulties, and you've just shown yourself strong. Lord, on our, on our prayer request tonight, we have wide-ranging from physical health to mental health to emotional health to wisdom and guidance. Um, Lord, we need favor in the courtroom with the judges of this earth, that they would be led and guided by the judge of all the earth, and that you would protect the oppressed, and that you would put a hedge around your child, and God, that you would just minister in a great and grand way. Father, we just uh, thank you for what you're doing through the ministry of Plantation Baptist Church. Thank you for what you're doing in the life of our teenagers and our children. I think about the Awana program tonight and the youth ministry. And 
Oh, the need it is to, to get the gospel to our kids at a young age. I pray, Lord, that you'd help me teach tonight with, with power and authority, with tenderness, Lord, with wonderful application. I beg you, Holy Spirit of God, help in the application part of our lesson tonight as we look at our homes and our desires for our homes to be Christian homes that are founded upon the Word of God. We love you, Lord. I want to lift Sunday to you. It's anniversary Sunday. This is the day that we'll celebrate 58 years of God's faithfulness at Plantation Baptist Church. And I pray that it's a wonderful reunion. I pray as we come to the table of the Lord that it's a wonderful communion. And uh, that it'll just be a time where, where we show the Lord's death till He comes. And a time that we examine ourselves. And a time that we allow you, God, just to minister to us in a, in a beautiful way. Thank you for providing for our building program. And it's just every inch of concrete, every inch of going forward is just to the testimony of the glory of God. Continue, we pray. We'll trust you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, take your Bible, if you would, please. Find two passages of Scripture tonight. Find, if you would, Exodus chapter number 2. Exodus chapter number 2. Put something there. Uh, It'll take us a moment or two to get to Exodus chapter 2. And make your way, if you would, please, to Hebrews chapter number 11. Exodus chapter number 2 and Hebrews chapter number 11. Exodus, the second book of the Bible. Hebrews in the back of your Bible. And uh, I trust that you'll be able to see and have a scripture to look on tonight as we continue our series uh, that we have set aside and focused on entitled A Christian Home. And this is a series that God laid on my heart many months ago. It was a series that we started um, back in the month of March, the very first Sunday night of March. I preached to you an introductory message which I showed you last week. I told Brother Joey, it's quite a very unique thing to sit there and watch yourself on camera preach a message. Um, I got lost in the message and found myself saying amen, then realized I was the guy speaking. Uh, But the truth is the truth, man. It was great. So I needed that and even took home some conviction from from watching that message on screen. As we introduced what a a Christian home, we, we talked about what makes a home Christian. Same thing that makes you and I a Christian, the presence of Christ. How is Christ present in the home? He's present in the home through the people's of the home. How many people does it take for Christ to be in them, for a home to be Christian? Just one. One Christian can have a Christian home, as we found in Timothy, the life of Timothy. We also learned what it, the purpose of a Christian home, a threefold purpose, as it is a place where God is to be glorified in and through. It is to be a light to the gospel for those around us. And it is also to be a place where the faith in the Lord Jesus is passed down to our children. And I think those are three wonderful purposes as we find them displayed in the Scripture. If you missed that message, you should be able to go back and catch it online. On March 8th of 2020, I preached to you a message that I'm re-preaching tonight. Repreaching it hopefully a little different and a little better than we did back then. But I'm preaching to you tonight a message entitled, The Necessity 
of a biblical worldview in our homes. And I added to the title this time, as opposed to last time, the necessity, the word necessity. Um, I, I just believe in my heart that as I look at the world today, it is so important how we view the world. And I believe it to be so important that Christian homes have a biblical worldview. I would even go as far as to say the necessity of this in our Christian homes. A worldview is just that. It's how you view the world. It's how you um, think about things. It's how you develop. It's how you process. It's how you equalize. It's how you form opinions. It's how you make decisions. It's how you process um, what is going on around you. And I would submit to you that we live in a day where there are many views floating around that are available to our homes. Our streets are filled with viewpoints. Um, I, I don't need to unpack that too much for you. You understand that we're way past Democrat and Republican viewpoints now, aren't we? We're into all types of views and prisms in the way that people view the world. We have something now that we did not have in our world for those of you that are probably over the age of 40. Nobody over the age of 40 ever heard of something called or someone called an internet influencer. Right? But if you have children and they have access to the internet, they're watching influencers. Mine included. Right? How do I know this? Because when my girls walk out in the living room and they look like they've walked through the makeup factory blindfolded, I say something like, what's up with that? Oh, I, I got this off of somebody I follow. And I ask them questions that I won't ask, tell you that I do publicly, privately. But internet influencers. We're talking about people on social media sites that have millions of followers. We're talking about those that touch preschool, elementary, middle school, high school, college, single, married, middle-aged, old parts of our society. Um, it, there was a stretch about a month ago as I was thinking about these messages where it seemed like I turned on the news or turned on the headlines for Fox News or CNN or MSNBC and it would say, Internet influencer dead at 28. Internet influencer dead at 22. Internet influencer. And it's interesting that popularity isn't all that there is in the world, is there? And so our homes are facing multiple views and viewpoints 
how we are to process the world. You even know there's a talk show called The View, right? I would submit to you that as the leader of your home, you better get a handle on the worldview of your home. Mom and dad, this is not something you can stick your head in the sand and ignore. Husband, you better know who's influencing your wife on the internet. Yeah. Wife, you better know who's influencing your husband on the internet. You better understand what type of views are being pumped into the mind and the psyche and the behavior of those in our homes. I would submit to you that no no view is without consequence. Even a biblical view. So as we think about our homes being Christian homes. Really and truthfully, a Christian home is to be founded upon the Word of God. And a Christian home's viewpoint of the world ought to be seen through the prism of the Word of God. If you agree with that, would you say amen to that? How important is this today? I I find... What I do believe to be a wonderful example of this in the life of Moses. And so I want you to go, if you would please, to Hebrews chapter number 11. And I want you to look at verse number 24. And I'm going to pick apart a few verses here. And I'm going to do it line by line. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, which is the great hall of faith, verse number 24, by faith, Moses... When he was come to years, which means when he was an adult, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That one verse really and truthfully needs to be understood against the backdrop of the history in the life of Moses. You understand that Moses, when he was born, found himself, and I will visit this in just a moment, found himself placed in a river, in a little ark, and found himself discovered by the daughter of Pharaoh. And you understand that at the direction of the daughter of Pharaoh, Moses' mother was called so she could nurse him, but Moses was in effect turned over to Pharaoh's daughter. In essence, he would have been called by those in that time and in that nation and around him, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You talk about wealth, you talk about prestige, you talk about influence, and you talk about viewpoint. Moses was exposed to all of this. And you talk about a life of ease and a life of wealth and a life of opportunity. Moses would have had it. Yet... There came a point in time in Moses' life when he refused all that Egypt had to offer. 
Those of you that are Bible students, when you study spiritual truths, many times when you come to the nation of Egypt, Egypt will always represent the world in our Bible studies. And it doesn't represent, per se, the peoples of the world or the continent that that it's upon. It represents that godless system that is apart from the authority of the Word of God. And so Egypt in the Old Testament is a picture of, of the world. And so Moses was made available to all the godlessness of Egypt, all the wealth of Egypt, and to the world. And yet there came a time in his life as an adult, a young adult, by the way, probably around 35, 40 years old, when he refused what the world had to offer him. I I submit to you that Moses made that choice based off of his worldview. Moses knew that he was not an Egyptian by birth. Moses knew that he was born of Jewish parents. Moses knew his background. I, I, I believe that Moses knew he was a special child. By that I mean that God had a purpose and a plan for him because his mom and dad knew that. And there came a time when The view led by the world and the view led by uh, God and the people of God collided in Moses' life. And Moses went with a biblical worldview. In verses 25, 26, 27, 28, and 29, I believe I can show you real quickly. And if you have a pen, I'd like you to write them down. Seven topics or seven things in our lives that a worldview affects in a person's life. In verse number 25, you will find that the worldview affects the choices we make. Please write that down. By the way, happy day, happy day, the day I fixed my choice. Remember it was in the hymn on my Savior. Worldview affects our choices. Number two, our valuization process. Chapter or verse 26. Number three, our priorities, our goals in life are affected by our worldview. Number four, our confidence is structured in our worldview. Our conviction is brought within the foundation of our worldview. Number five, our reality. The real world. It's processed in you by your worldview. Number six, our worship. Our worship is affected by our worldview. 
So if the world tells you there's no God, then you're going to worship like there's no God. Number seven, our life. And by our life, I mean the quality of our life, the distinguishing points of our life, the peace of our life. These seven things, our choices, our valuations, our priorities, our confidence and conviction, the reality of our lives, our worship, and our life, I believe, are affected by our worldview. Read with me, please. Pick up, if you would, verse 24, and you should be able to see this. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing, there's his choice, rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I'm going to submit to you that your worldview will dictate whether you choose to suffer affliction with God or the pleasure of sin for a season. Verse 26, esteeming, valuing, exalting the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Your valuization process is determined by your worldview. Moses had all the opportunity for wealth in Egypt, and yet he chose to suffer with Christ. God help us to make that decision, right? All the wealth that the world has to offer, and yet I think the hymn writer said it best, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. Verse 26 For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. He had a priority in his life. He wanted to be rewarded of the Lord. He did not want to be, he didn't want the world's reward. He wanted God's reward. He didn't want the world's blessing. He wanted God's blessing. Why? He had a worldview, a biblical worldview. Verse number 27. By faith, here's confidence, here's conviction, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Boy, God give us Christians that fear God more than we fear anything else. For he endured as seeing him who is Invisible. Moses had a biblical worldview. He had met God at the burning bush. He had been face to face with God. His face shone with the glory of God. And even though he never saw God with his physical eye, he knew God to be real. And Moses knew that the plan of God was real. Your real world is processed by your world view. And if you believe that the world is the real world, then you have an unbiblical world view. 
the real world is not outside the house of God. The real world is found in the church of Jesus Christ, in the word of Jesus Christ. Pastor, I want to prepare my kid for the real world, and you better prepare him for heaven. And you better stop thinking that you got to train your kid how to survive the real world. No. Stop teaching your kid how to survive the real world and teach your kid how to walk in the real world of the Word of God. By the way, then he'll be able to deal with the outside world. Verse 28. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. This was his worship. This was when he put the blood on the doorpost, right? This is when he did those things so that the death angel would not pass through and touch his home or the home of the nation of Israel. Moses had a biblical worldview that affected his worship. And by the way, saved or not, everybody worships a God. Everybody does. And your worldview will determine what God you worship. Verse 29. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were what, class? Drowned. So his physical life was spared. I would submit to you that your worldview has the ability to destroy your life or save your life. I was meeting with a man in our church. And I've asked him to put together a, a seminar for, for parents of 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th graders. Because in his job, he deals with mental health and addiction. And he says, Pastor, I'm having people that are 23 to 27 come in and sit down before me. And he says they're, they're just totally blown out of their mind. He said, and when I, when I come back and I trace their, their, their history, they're shooting meth at 13. 13. He said... 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, they've just destroyed their life. He said, one, I called one, one guy's dad. His dad said, I've spent 100 grand trying to straighten him up. I'm done. Why would you say that? Because your worldview determines your practice and determines your direction. And I'm telling you, there is a way that leadeth unto life, and there's a way that leadeth unto damnation. Choices, valuization, priority, confidence, reality, worship, and life are all tied into our worldview. So the question comes how did Moses develop a biblical worldview? I thought you would never ask. Look, if you would please, at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. And the Bible tells us this. By faith, 
Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his, say the word, his parents. Now watch this. Because they, what's that little word? Saw. They had a view. They had a viewpoint. Because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. How did Moses develop a biblical worldview? I submit to you, it started in his home. In meeting with this man this afternoon, we were talking about how they begin to shoot meth at 13, 14, and 15, how they're blown out of their mind at 23, 24, 25. He said, one guy just sat in front of me after trying to take his life and take his life and take his life and take his life. And he just kept saying, the demon tells me, the demon tells me, the demon tells me, the demon tells me, which is probably true. Not probably, it is true. He said, but man, when you trace it all back, Pastor, Usually it all begins in the home. You know, I have found in 26 years of ministry that homes can be a safe place and homes can be a scary place. Some of you out there, you may have faced tremendous evil in your home. Monsters in your home. Some of them could have been your parents, aunts, uncles, Tremendous evil. What happens in the home, especially with children, can stay with them a lifetime. Habits that are formed in the home are hard to break. Patterns are difficult. I would submit to you that we carry more out of our home life than we would really like to admit. Evidence of that is you don't have to be married very long and you say something like, you're just like your mother. Thank you, Malcolm. You're just like your father. Right? So, let's talk about our Christian homes. If our children are going to develop a biblical worldview then they're going to develop it as they learn it in our homes. Most of the time. When you study the life of Moses, you will find that Moses was born, and we can go there, Exodus chapter 2, come back there if you would. You will find that Moses was born into a world much like our world today. Sometimes people want to say, well, it was easier back then. Or the world is just a different place today. Pastor, they, we didn't have the onslaught of information. We didn't have the information highway. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have all of this. It's very difficult to set a biblical worldview. Yeah, it might be some validity there. 
as far as it's difficult, but it's not, it's not impossible, especially if we want it. When you study Moses being born in Exodus chapter 2, you will find that he was born into a violent, dangerous, murderous, sensual world. Probably no people more sensual than the Egyptians. You will probably you will find that he was born into a world filled with inequity. Social injustice was not a word back then, but it was a reality. You will find, as you read Exodus, that Moses was born into a world that was anti-God. When he was born, there's an actual movement to extinguish God and the nation of Israel. There's a movement to annihilate the Jewish people. There is a movement to rewrite the history of the world. I would submit to you that our world today is violent, it is dangerous, it is murderous, it is sensual, it is filled with inequity, we have social injustice, we have anti-godliness, we have a movement to extinguish God, and really and truthfully, not only do we want him in our future, we're trying to write him out of our past. And yet, in this world, there was a home. And there was a home with a man named Amram and a woman named Jochebed. And these two folks in this home had a godly home. And these folks in this home had a biblical worldview. And these folks in this home were blessed of God and they reared a child to have a biblical worldview. And I would submit to you, if God enabled Amram and Jochebed to do it, then God can enable us to do it. Amen? Would you pick up with me in verse number one? And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. She laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. Sounds like a normal situation. A man takes a wife, they get married. In the process of consummation of that marriage, in the process of intimacy within that marriage, a child is conceived. I would submit to you that it does sound simple until you understand the context. 
go back to Exodus chapter 1 and look, if you would please, at verse number 15. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives. Some of you have had children with midwives. Of which the name of the one was Shifra and the name of the other was Pua. And he said, when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. If it be a daughter, she shall live. I love verse 17. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? (laughs) These midwives were smart. And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Which means the Egyptian women were weak. These guys are, these are tough women. They squirt them things out fast. Right? Verse number 20, therefore God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged, now watch this, all his people. So, so they had, they had COVID tattletales all the way in the book of Exodus, right? You're not wearing a mask. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Now, a normal thinking person would think this way. This is not the time to bring a child into the world. You would read the tea leaves of the situation, and you would think, What kind of world would a child have? I think these are thoughts that people have today. They look at the world and they think, why would we bring a child into this world? What kind of world are we going to have for our kids? Problem is, her thoughts could have went that way, but it wasn't what kind of world was the child going to face. What was going to happen was the child was going to change the world. And God had a purpose for this. When When Moses was born... He was supposed to be destroyed. That was the viewpoint of the world. He was to be, in essence, murdered. However, Amram and Jochebed had a biblical worldview. They knew that life was a gift from God. They knew that that child was a good child, a proper child. They knew they were not to shed innocent blood. They knew that there was a law of the land, but the law of God is greater than any law of the land. And so they began to operate with their worldview. Now watch this. Their choice, their valuization, their priority, their confidence, their reality, their worship, and their life. I submit to you that because they had a biblical worldview, three things happened. Write them down and I'm done. 
The biblical worldview gave them confidence to live life. It wasn't a time you wanted to get married and have a child, and yet they got married and had a child. I submit to you that our world may look nuts, and it is nuts. And our world may look, and it is dangerous, and it is violent, it is murderous, it is sensual, it is unjust, it is anti-God, it is these things. But those of us that know God and know His Word, we can have the confidence to live our lives. Not to live our lives in fear, but to live our lives in faith. So those of you at home and those of you that are sitting here, listen to your pastor. Stop living in fear. We're consumed by it. Even the articles coming out in the news now are writing about the effect on the human soul because of the fear of COVID. I think you should be a good steward. And I think you should be, use wisdom. But whatsoever is not of faith is sin. You're afraid to die? Why are you afraid to die? Do you want to die, Pastor? No. Nope. I ain't afraid to die. Because when I die, I know where I'm going. Our biblical worldview enables us to live confidently our lives in faith believing number two our biblical worldview enables us to navigate life the command was throw the baby in the river she did it she just put him in an ark right so So I'm trying, we're all trying to navigate our way through life, right? And sometimes you run into a law of the land and you meet that law where you can. You meet that purpose where you can. And you're trying to navigate certain things. But it's my biblical worldview that enables me to navigate life properly. Pastor, I'm just so confused. Why? I just don't know what to do. Why? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Third, my biblical worldview enables me to trust God in my life. To have confidence to live my life. To navigate life and to trust God in life. I love what it said there. Not afraid of the king's commandment. Right? And her sister stood afar off to whip what would be done unto him. I I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. 
I don't, I don't know what we're going to face, but I know I won't face it alone. I don't know what we're going to deal with, but I know God is able. Understand, a biblical worldview solidifies your confidence to live your life, to navigate life, and to trust God in life. And when I obey the word of God, I can step back and I can just say, I can't wait to see what God is going to do. And by the way, what he does is for our good and for his glory. I hope you have a biblical worldview in your home. You ought to analyze your home. You ought to think about it. And you ought to develop it. The prism of how I view life and how I view the world should be thus, saith the Lord. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father God, we need, we need teaching and preaching like this. I cannot let ABC's The View teach me how to organize my home. I cannot let the Democrats or the Republicans I can't let black lives matter. I can't let blue lives matter. I can't let movements. Those aren't how I'm to look at the world. As a Bible-believing, born-again Christian, I look at the world through the Word of God. Gives me confidence to live my life. Gives me the... The ability to navigate life and to trust God in my life. All my choices, my valuization, my priorities, my worship, the reality, my conviction and confidences, all of those are tied to our worldview. And so, Lord, help us to have homes founded on the biblical worldview. And if we're going to have a biblical worldview, that means we've got to be in the Bible. We've got to read the Bible. So help us to read the Bible. Thank you for the lesson tonight. Apply it to our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. I chose a song. It's a short one to go home. It's a little chorus entitled, God Will Make a Way. Stand if you would. Let's lift our voice and just let the message finish in our hearts as we think about God's ability to make a way in our lives. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my God.